0: Once more, welcome everyone. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. I'm glad that you're here uh, in the cafe. Welcome, you guys. We love you guys. Wait, by the way, uh, I saw sprinkled donuts in the cafe today. Warren, did you know about this Uh, sprinkle? I mean, people are fancy back there now. I, I didn't even know there was sprinkled donuts. Uh, So uh, anyway, I'm glad you're with us. Enjoy your sprinkles today Um, In your seats in the cafe and in all of your bulletins today are these cards here If if it's in your hands, take it out. Take a look at it with me. I want to show you this Um, We know that as believers our commission is to reach the whole world with the gospel And sometimes the whole world seems a little bit overwhelming. So let's break it down And let's get one another on focus and on mission by just focusing on one person. I I want you to begin thinking, and it shouldn't take you long. I mean, by the time I'm finished here, you will have probably realized who is your one. Um, It's hard to have a burden for the whole world, although we should, but it shouldn't be that hard to have a burden for one person. Surely you know one person who is far away from the Lord and really, really needs to know him. You can make a difference in one life. And this is what we're asking you to do. This is a Southern Baptist convention-wide emphasis by our president, J.D. Gere, and I think it's really pretty fantastic. Who's your one uh, is the question you need to learn to answer. Now, this card here, you notice this tears off, so you can uh, put the name of your one person here. You're gonna keep it. This is just between you and the Lord. It's a commitment you're gonna make, though. Uh, Figure out who that person is. And this commitment is to do everything in your power, to use whatever influence you have Uh, to see that this person has uh, a a meaningful introduction to Jesus, uh, to see that they've heard the gospel and know the gospel. You can't decide whether or not they respond, but you can decide whether or not they hear. And that's what we're asking you to do. Just make a commitment uh, to have a meaningful gospel interaction with one person on this earth. Who's your one? Uh, Put their name here and then tear this card off and put it somewhere where it'll always be with you, where you'll always know. Now, along with this, on the Lobby table when everybody comes in Is this prayer guide It's a 30 day prayer emphasis I want us to do this together And I want to start tomorrow Start tomorrow, it's 30 days Uh, What I really love about this Is that this prayer guide is going to walk you through 30 different days 30 different scripture passages and 30 different more or less ways in which you'll learn to pray for this one person. Even your prayers for the next 30 days are gonna be focused on that one person uh, whom you're making a commitment to reach for Christ. So you understand what we're asking you to do? Take this card. You'll notice when you tear this off, you've got the 30 days of prayer here as well. But I, I tell you that the book is actually a little bit better and a, and a little bit more useful. So who's uh, Who's your one? Uh, that's the question you need to answer before uh, you get too far from this. Who's your one? Put their name there, tear out the card, and then follow me for the next 30 days through days of prayer. Can you do that? Cafe folks, they're in your chair. Can you do that? Uh, let's let's do it together. Who, who, who's your one? Take out your Bibles and open to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 6. book of Leviticus is the book of the Bible that when you're trying to read your Bible through and you start in Genesis, you hit Leviticus and you quit, because Leviticus is hard, and we'll talk about that. But, uh, oh, today the Word of God is so rich in the book of Leviticus. <clears throat> if you haven't figured it out yet, we probably all should have been rock stars, you know. Uh, they, they got it made. Rock stars have it made. Um, have you ever paid attention to, I think they call them their tour riders, tour writer. in other words if you want to have a rock star in your venue at your place like if we wanted to have somebody here uh then they would send us their tour rider and that would be everything they require in order for us just to have the blessing of their presence so i mean just to give you some examples like we'll never be having madonna b- because madonna requires before she'll walk in your place she requires 20 international phone lines like there are days i can't call Plano you know, here. She wants 20 international phone lines, and then she wants backstage dressing rooms that are completely redecorated in order to make her feel as if she is in her house. So you have to decorate the backstage rooms so that they're exactly like the rooms of her house. So in my mind, she should just stay home. I mean, you know, just stay, stay home and, and make your calls. Um, that's Madonna. Jay-Z requires seven, seven separate backstage dressing rooms, so he's probably out to Taylor Swift now, y'all. We could, we, maybe Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift requires Starbucks, which we could do. She wants a stick of butter and three boxes of Kraft macaroni and cheese. Like, I'm not making that up. Taylor Swift wants a stick of butter and three boxes of Kraft macaroni and cheese. Strangely, I think she's within our orbit. I think we could probably get Taylor Swift for a a stick of butter. The most famous of all tour riders was back in the day with Van Halen. Anybody remember Van Halen? Yeah, Van Halen was famous because they had one of the longest and most detailed tour riders uh, that that the world had ever seen. And, And stuck in the middle of that tour rider, the requirements for having them, was a really strange... Uh, request. Y'all ever heard this? And this is true. They required a giant bowl of M&Ms in their dressing room with every brown M&M taken out. Like no brown M&Ms. And if Van Halen, I think it happened one time, if they came in and found a brown M&M, they would trash the place, cancel the concert and leave. Isn't that crazy? Now, why would they do that? Have any idea why they did that? Van Halen had uh, something like nine 18-wheeler trucks full of equipment and lights and staging, and it was all very, very technical and very important. So their tour rider actually had a lot of technical instructions about the staging, about the lights, about the sound, and some of that was really actually dangerous if it wasn't done exactly correct. And Van Halen figured that they really didn't want to come in and have to line check every single detail of the show, so they would simply walk in the dressing room, and if they realized that you got the M&Ms right, they assumed you had everything else right too. You get that? So it's not totally, you know, was it David Lee Roth, like not totally dumb, you know? Um, they they sort of had that system. If the m ms were right, they assumed everything else was right. Uh, but still, y'all, that's all crazy. That's just all so crazy in my mind to have a list like that. And, and the thing is, the book of Leviticus starts reading like one of those tour writers, Because these are instructions for basically if you want to be in the presence of God, if you want the blessing of God's presence, then then, you've got to understand you're going to have to do some things on your side. You're not just going to walk in and have him. And so Leviticus kind of reads that way. Now, honestly, I'm not sure Taylor Swift is worth a stick of butter. I'm not sure it's worth that to be in her glorious presence, but I'm telling you the Lord is worth it. Whatever it requires to be in his presence, to know the blessing of his presence, it's it's worth it. And Leviticus chapter 6 is just one small place of instructions for us if we want to be in the presence of this God, and this is good. Let me read it for you again. Leviticus chapter 6 verse 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, give Aaron and his sons, these are the priests, give Aaron and his sons the following instructions regarding the burnt offering. Now there are several kinds of offerings and the book of Leviticus details every single kind of sacrifice and offering. Just know that the burnt offering is different because it's offered in totality. It's burned whole. It's not sacrifice and then cut up into quarters and then maybe you would get to have some meat and the priest would, no, no, no. This is an offering that is given in its totality. And, And so a person would come in to make their sacrifice before the Lord. This is how you come into his presence. You would bring your own animal from home. It must be a perfect animal, no blemish and nothing wrong. You can't bring the cross-eyed, three-legged, you know, kind of thing. It has to be your best. You bring God your best and then you yourself, you yourself, you would be responsible to slit its throat. You would hold the knife and you would slit the throat because it's your sacrifice. So before you would slaughter it, you would lay your hands upon the animal. It's a way of recognizing that that animal's taking your place That animal takes your sins upon itself. That animal is the substitute death for you. You understand, you lay your hands on it, you slit its throat, you throw it on the fire. That's a burnt offering. And this is what happens when it's over. The burnt offering must be left on top of the altar until the next morning, and the fire on the altar must be kept burning all night. That's important. The fire on the altar must be kept burning all night. In the morning after the priest on duty has put on his official linen clothing and linen undergarments, he must clean out the ashes of the burnt offering and put them beside the altar. Then he must take off these garments, change back into his regular clothes, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonial clean. Isn't that interesting? Even the ashes are still holy. They're still clean. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offerings on it. Remember The fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. That's a lot of detail. And that's just what? Five verses. All of Leviticus reads like that. Most of you know, last month I was, uh, uh, I got to travel to the country of Peru. It, It was just amazing. It was beautiful and wonderful. Um, I've never been, I'm from Woodburn, y'all. I don't go anywhere. I've never been places like that. It, it, it was really fantastic for me. Um, one of the neat things about our trip were these brilliant young Peruvian guides, uh, young men and young women who spoke English pretty well. And so they more or less got us through the country. They interpreted for us. They were just vibrant Christian young men and women. It was, they were fantastic. They were really part of my favorite, um, uh, what made the trip Uh, extra special the thing was we were staying in a in a city called Chiclayo which is beautiful fantastic um there's there's a really nice hotel there when I say really nice it's it's really nice by our standards it, it was incredibly you know unbelievably nice by Peruvian standards and and we were staying there we were supposed to eat dinner at the hotel restaurant that night, one of our first nights. And so uh, uh, that was going to be good. We had a little bit of time before dinner. So they told us all to go to our rooms, get you know, do whatever we need to do, come back down for dinner. So we did that. When we all came back down into the hotel lobby, it was pretty obvious that all the American tourists, all we did was like check our phones and take a nap because <laughs> we all came back down, you know, just like we were. Um, but, but our Peruvian, the, the young men and women who were from Peru who were with us, they came back down dressed. I mean, dressed up. I mean, we've been with them all day and they've been dressed just like me. You know, then all of a sudden they come back down. I mean, just dressed. I mean, boom, like they're very nicest clothes on. And my first thought is, you know, oh no, you know, they know something I don't know. I'm, I'm about to make an international incident. Um, I, I just thought, is this a banquet? Is this something I didn't know? But y- y'all know what it was? It's just simply, and we forget this. I mean, I eat at restaurants all the time. I mean, all the time. I mean, I could set up an office at Taco Bell and, and, and I, could, I could still work. I mean, they got Wi-Fi, they, they got Tostitos or whatever, you know, I'm good. Um, but for these Peruvian young people, eating out at a restaurant was a really, really big deal. It was a very special occasion and they dressed specially. You understand what I'm saying? Not only that, their opportunity to just walk in a hotel like that was just a rare thing. I mean, they honestly were experiencing kind of a a once-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunity and you could tell for them it was just so special. You know what I mean? And so they dressed up. They dressed up. Think about all of the important moments in your own life, whether it was your. Graduation from elementary school or middle school, or or your high school graduation, or something like that, maybe your wedding. You know, if you're from Logan County, the tobacco festival, I guess, you know, whatever it is, uh, that, that's really extra special for you. The, the point I'm making is, if it's special, you tend to dress differently. You, you dress specially for it. Because as it turns out, the way we dress typically says something about how we feel about where we are and who we're with. You, you understand? And the fact of the matter is, some occasions are simply not come as you are. Some occasions require something from you. And this brings us to Leviticus chapter six. Now one of the striking things about the priest's instructions here is first off, he is doing the most mundane thing in the world. He's sweeping the altar. It's, it's the first part of the morning job. This is what the priest on duty must get up and do. He's got to get up and sweep the altar. That fire must never go out. It can never go out, not one time, not for a second. That fire's got to burn. So the priest's priority first thing in the morning is to go check the fire, and that requires cleaning out the ashes. These are yesterday's ashes. That burnt offering has to be offered in totality, so you can't remove it until there's nothing left but ash. So that's the next morning. Yesterday's ashes have to be cleaned out. So this is kind of the dirty job. This can't be the priest's favorite part of his job. I mean, this is kind of what you do when nobody else is around. I mean, everybody else is still home watching Good Morning America, you know, and this is what the priest does. But understand, I mean, just this little bitty job, he's got two wardrobe changes. Did you see that? Like two wardrobe changes. Like this is an ordeal. I mean, this is a big deal. This is as ceremonially choreographed as as like the changing of the guard at Arlington. I mean, it's that kind of thing, but it's the priest all by himself doing the loneliest job in the world, the, the dirtiest job in the temple. He could have done this in sweatpants. I mean, nobody's around. Why all of these instructions? Why all of this pomp and circumstance? Why in the world does this seem so special and important? Because it's the altar of the Lord. Do you understand? Because these instructions come from the God that this is all about. It's all about him. Because understand, it's his fire. It's his altar. That was his sacrifice. This is his temple. You are his priest. I mean, the, the holy cert on your back is his. you understand? It's all his. It's all his. And that means you just can't do it any way you want. It's worship you're coming before the presence of this God you understand and the point is we must worship God on his terms not on ours We don't get to decide how we come before him. We don't get to decide what we wear We don't get to decide when where how do you understand what i'm saying? It's not just simply that any old altar would do you can't just grab any animal Throw it on top of any fire, wearing anything you want at whatever time you wish. You understand? This is the Lord God, maker of heaven and earth. We worship him on his terms, not ours. So so the priest has very, very specific instructions. This is not casual. You understand? This is not casual. Stepping into the presence of a holy God. You understand? And this entire book of Leviticus reminds us what an incredible privilege it is to step into his presence. Just walks in. I hear people say all the time, Pastor Tim, you know I do most of my praying when I drive. I just drive down the road. Me and Jesus, just talking to Jesus, I just drive around and pray. And that's fine. You can drive around and pray, but have you never sensed, a presence so holy that you thought maybe you should pull over and get on your knees? I mean, you do all your praying in the car, and I'm not saying that you can't, but have you never really understood the God to whom you pray, and maybe he's worth maybe getting on your knees? You ever really think that maybe at some point in your life, you should probably be on your face? We worship him on his terms, not on ours. And for the most part, we prefer to keep it on our terms, and we like it really, really comfortable, really, really casual. We don't like to have to step out of our way at all. So the priest, you understand, the priest must follow these instructions meticulously. If you're going to be in the presence of this God, you understand, you're going to do it his way, not yours. And it is a privilege to serve him. It is a privilege, a holy privilege to stand beside that altar. It is a holy privilege to sweep those ashes. Yeah, we're talking about sweeping with a broom. We're talking about ashes that that are sooty and black and dirty. We're talking about ash. But we're saying it's still holy ash, still his ashes, his fire. You're going to do it his way. Do you understand? Do you understand what a privilege it is? Do you understand what an honor it is just to breathe air? Do you understand what it is to say that you're in the presence of this holy God? And to be this priest, I mean, to be this priest... To be able to hold the bucket, the broom, the ash, the altar, I mean, all of these things, they're all holy things. They're all holy, which means they belong to him. They're touched by him. It's an honor to handle holy things. And so understand the holiest thing of all is the breath in your lungs. The holiest thing of all is this day that he's given us. So if you are blessed to wake up on a new morning and if you're blessed to stand in the presence of this amazing God without being flattened by the awesomeness of his majesty, did you understand? Then you are the recipient of grace indescribable. It's a wonder you're still alive. Do you understand? It's a wonder you're still alive. So the priest gets up. He puts on ceremonial robes, goes to the altar, removes those ashes. Yes, they're ashes, but they're holy ashes. This was yesterday's fire. This is God's fire. Put the ashes in a bucket. You carry them outside the camp. But before you leave, you have to change clothes. You understand? It's a lot of trouble. This God is worth it. It's completely worth it. Now, notice about this fire. It says it over and over, and it's not just here. It's one of the themes of the Old Testament. This fire in the temple, it must never go out. In other words, it was lit one time. One time. And who lit it? Do you remember? Who lit the fire? Was it Moses? It's back in Moses' day, but who lit the fire? Was it two Boy Scouts with sticks? You know? I mean, what's the big deal about a fire going out? I mean, honestly, we can relight a fire. Around here, we got rednecks, y'all. All All rednecks have lighters. I mean, if the fire goes out, we'll light a new fire, right? No, this is the point. This fire was lit one time, and who lit it? God lit the fire. This is fire from heaven. When When Moses and Aaron put the first sacrifice on the altar... God lit the fire. Fire came down from heaven. I mean, read your Bible. That that fire was from God. And that means there's no other source of this. This heavenly holy fire. It was lit one time by God. And if that fire goes out, it's just gone. It's just gone. You're not going to rub two sticks. You're not going to get a redneck with a lighter. I, I mean, understand, this is holy fire. This is God's fire. And it's your responsibility to keep it burning. God lit the fire. then it gives the priest this holy responsibility day and night. This is your priority. You cannot let this fire go out. It cannot go out. You ever had something like that? This is always like, if you ever put like brownies in the oven and they're going to bake for like in a glass pan, you know, like 40 minutes, but in a a metal pan, like 50 minutes. So you set your timer. It's amazing these days. You can just, I, I can tell Siri on my watch to wake me up in 50 minutes. I'm not going to sleep, but that just lets her know to set an alarm, and she'll tell me in 50 minutes. But, but that means in 50 minutes, I know that whatever else I do, i got to be ready to get back to the oven because i got brownies in the oven. Y'all you know, with me? I mean, I've just got that hanging there. It's that, it's that important thing. I may do other things, but I know that the most important thing I'm going right now are brownies in the oven. Because if, if I'm ever going to get brownies in my belly, this has to go well with the brownies in the oven, right? Right? So no matter what else I do, I, I stay close to the, to the oven and whatever else I do, I, I can't let myself get distracted because, because I know that I have that job and that's the most important job. And understand the, the fire on the altar, that's for the priest all the time, day and night. No matter what else they do, that's the most important job. The fire cannot go out. It was lit by God. It's the fire of worship and it cannot be extinguished. It cannot, it cannot. Be smothered. Now this is why removing the ashes is important Because the ashes from yesterday's, yesterday's fire will smother out today's fire So that fire must be kept burning And removing the ashes, that's part of that But I, I just want to call you back to this really, really simple principle Of a fire that must always be kept burning Because we can also talk about the fire in your heart The fire of worship in your life, the fire that God lights on the altar of your own heart. You understand what I'm saying? There is this fire of worship in you, and it must always be kept burning all the time. You see, it's not the sort of thing, and I love you all, and I don't mean this because you're the Sunday crowd, but it's not the sort of thing where you can just show up at church once every blue moon and rub a couple of sticks together and think that you had, that like you got your worship on. It doesn't work that way. None of this works that that way. Understand, the only time you may worship God is always. Anything less is never. You understand? The only time you may worship God is always. He is always worthy. He is always to be praised. Scripture tells us to pray without ceasing without ever stopping. So that means no matter what else you do, there is still this higher priority to make sure that you're giving worth and glory and praise to God. This fire of worship in your own life, it must burn always and forever. Now, that does mean, of course, that you have to stoke it. It's from God. You can't light this fire on your own, but it is your responsibility to keep it burning. There are lots of ways to do that. Primarily, I think the most important job you have is to understand that you live in the presence of God. You live in His presence. He's always glorious. He's always to be worshiped, always to be praised, and you belong to Him. The breath in your lungs must go back to Him with praise and honor. Do you understand? You're nothing without Him, you're nothing apart from Him. He is your life. The only time you may worship him is always, every day, all day long, not just Sunday morning, not just when someone stands up in front of you and says, open your Bible. It's your whole life, an entire life of worship. Jesus didn't die on the cross just to give you a church life. He wants to give you a life life, you understand? And it's all of this, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, day and night, your life belongs to him. That's why I kind of like it in this passage that the priest changes clothes. First off, am I the only one that thinks it's kind of funny that like he's got priestly underwear? I mean, y'all see that? Like the instructions go down to his underwear. Like he can't just walk in, you know, with like boxers from, you know, Saturday. I I mean, mean, down to his underwear. You have to put on official linen clothing and linen underwear. That's gonna itch. Linen underwear. <laughs> then take off these garments, change back into what? Regular clothes. Yeah, I, I love that. Now, the point of which, it, it's, it's a holiness code here, holiness rules. You cannot approach the altar of God as God's prophet. You cannot possibly draw near to the awesome flattening majesty of this guy just as you are. So he always puts on ceremonial robe. It's not please understand we're not talking about fashion here. We're talking about attitude. Talking about attitude. So he changes his his robes. He cannot approach the altar with regular clothes. He puts on holy clothes in order to approach God's holy presence. But then when he's got to take the ashes outside, understand you can't just walk outside in, in your priestly garments. They have to be kept completely clean in order to serve the Lord at the altar. So now the priest has to stop and change back into regular clothes. And I love that. He steps out then into the regular world and finds a clean place to lay these holy asses, he comes back. It's that regular clothes part that I just like. Because have you not noticed, we all spend most of our life in regular clothes. I mean, you may have like Sunday best kind of clothes. Most of us don't anymore, honestly. Y'all are wearing today what you wear to work, and that's, that's just fine. But understand, we live most of our lives just in regular clothes. I mean, there are these amazing moments at the altar of God, perhaps, when we're able to just understand the closeness and nearness and majesty of this God. But what you have to understand is that God isn't just majestic and holy and awesome at the altar. Understand, this life that he gives you, it, it is a life that you live in regular clothes. This task that the priest does here is the most mundane thing he must do all day long. It's just sweeping. It's just taking out the dust. You understand that? Everything else he does is in front of people with with, with lots and lots of, of ceremony and lots and lots of attention. All the eyes are on the priest, but this is not that. This is mundane. This is ordinary. This is a routine task, but it's holy. You understand? And even when he puts on the regular clothes, he's still doing holy work. He's still doing the Lord's work. And this is what you have to understand. You've got to see the holiness of what you do in regular clothes. You've got to understand when you're doing mundane things, changing diapers, changing oil, when you're standing there on concrete beside that factory machine that you've worked for 20 years, and when you step into your office, when you sit down at your desk, whatever you do, wherever you go, understand it's holy. Yes, it's mundane. It's a routine. You're going to do it till you die. But you're doing the Lord's work. If you can't see the mundane as holy, you're in trouble. Because most of your life is mundane. Y'all mad at me? Y'all, y'all looking at me strange? I don't know another way to say this. This is how we live. This is where we live. Don't live your life at church. We turn on these lights at seven o'clock tonight and these lights don't come back on. Do y'all come back? You live most of your life somewhere else. I mean, if you're gonna serve the Lord, you're gonna do all of that somewhere else. Doesn't happen here. I mean, yeah, it's great that we have folks serving the Lord in the nursery today, but most of you, we couldn't get you in the nursery if we held you at gunpoint. This isn't where you do most of your serving. You live your life at Franklin Simpson High School. You live your life at South Warren. I mean, at, at, at factories. I mean, offices. It's mundane. It's routine. But, but the problem is people like us, we learn to compartmentalize it so that we have our work life and our family life and our church life. And I'm telling you, those compartments, that, that's not how it works. It's all holy. Holy. It's all touched by God. He sends you to every place that, that you go. There's nothing that you can touch that hasn't already been touched by him. And therefore it's holy. It's holy. Your regular clothes are holy because God sends you out to do his work in them. Do you understand? If you can't see the mundane as holy, you're in trouble because your whole life is mundane. It's all like this. So it's the... First job of the priest. You attend to the fire. Let me say this and I'll say one more thing. Um, each, each, each new day must start fresh with a heart swept clean, the fire stirred and stoked. This is, this is your life every day. I don't know what it takes for you to get that heart swept clean to stoke and stir that fire of worship, but you gotta do it, and you gotta do it every day. Now, some of you are way out of the habit, let's just be honest. Um, That fire that once burned in you is nearly gone. It must not go out. Learn habits of getting in the word, of being serious about prayer. It's great that you you know, pray driving down the road, but you know, every now and then just park it and stop your life and uh, kneel before him, be still before him. Give it time. Give your spiritual life time and and, and priority. Each new day must start fresh with a heart swept clean, the the fire stirred and and, and stoked. But but then this... um, If you cling to the ashes of yesterday's fire, a lot of us do this. You cling to the ashes of yesterday's fire. I mean, for that priest every day, I mean, yesterday may have been a really, really good day in worship with God's people. I mean, maybe that fire burned, blazed brightly, and maybe God's people were there in numbers. Maybe it was one of those days. Or or maybe yesterday was one of the hardest hardest days of his life you ever had that day it doesn't really matter what kind of day yesterday was the ashes of yesterday's fire have to go because they will smother out the fire that God wants to burn today so what ashes are you hanging on to in, in church life, you know, often it's just the memory of, of how we used to do it or how it used to be or how it was when so-and-so was still alive. Or, you know. Some of you can close your eyes. You've been here long enough. You can close your eyes and still remember where people used to sit before we buried them. And, and it's hard not to fall in love with those memories like that. You just remember how good it felt, the songs we used to sing, the way it used to be. It was good, but it's still yesterday. I mean, no matter what we do, we're not going to breathe those ashes back into flame. It, it doesn't work that way. It, it, you don't get to live those days again. But, but, but then, you know, just personally, some of us get really stuck because we, we find it difficult to believe that the future could bring us the happiness that the past brought us. Man, I'm preaching to a lot of widows and widowers. Some of you have buried your spouse. It was always in the deal. You know, every time I do a wedding on a stage, man, it's always in there till death do you part. And they all say it. All the young people say it till death do us part. I mean, they say it with a straight face. They have no idea, do they? They have no idea. What happens when you are parted by death? They have no idea what it is to bury the love of your life and wonder if you'll ever know that kind of happiness again. I mean, some of you have buried children. Some of you have lost the ability to do what you used to do, and so not being able to do what you used to do, it's hard to imagine that you'll ever feel what you used to feel. Some of us, it's not anything particularly great or particularly bad. It's just the way life moves and the kids grow and they move out, and that was always in the deal, too. But shoot, man, the house gets so empty. It's yesterday, you all. Still yesterday. And the problem with clinging to the ashes of yesterday is that they will inevitably choke out the fire that's supposed to burn today. Here's the thing. That fire burns today, which reminds us of one very, very important thing. That means he's still with us. The, The Lord is still with you. So whatever you have to bury from yesterday, understand the Lord is with you today. And because he's with you today, that, that changes the way you look at your life. It changes the way you look at today and tomorrow. Now, the ashes of yesterday, they remind you that yesterday you belong to him. But understand, the fire burning today, that reminds me that I'm still His. I'm still His. And if I'm His today, I'm going to be His tomorrow. And God always, always takes care of what belongs to Him. I'm still His. And you're still His. You're still His. And you have this new day. It's a new day, and you've got to get to work. And part of that work means getting busy with, with sweeping out the ashes of yesterday because they're not coming back into flame. That's not where today's fire is found. You've got to learn how... This holy task involves taking what belonged to yesterday and setting it outside. You've got to be done with yesterday so that you can live today. Today is glorious. Today is another day when his fire burns. Today is another day when you get to put on regular clothes and go do the Lord's work. I mean, it's mundane, it's routine, but do you understand? You're blessed. You're blessed to breathe air. You're blessed to have work to do. You're blessed, blessed to wake up on a new day and stand in the presence of this God. You're blessed. You're blessed to sing and pray. You're blessed to breathe. You're blessed to stand before the presence of this God maker of heaven and earth, and if you are blessed to rise and stand in his presence, understand, you are the recipient of grace indescribable. It's a wonder you're still alive. But you're still alive. The fire still burns. So, change your clothes. Go to work. God still has something for you. Pray with me. God, it is so hard to stop thinking about yesterday. When the babies were little, back when we uh, could, could still fit into our football uniform, back when we felt like we were strong and young and uh, had much to look forward to, Lord, there are young people in this house today who have lost the ability to think they've got something to look forward to. God, we have this horrible habit of just letting the ashes accumulate. Lord, you are so faithful. You set the fire in our lives and you let it burn and burn and burn. But, Lord, we are so unfaithful. We find ourselves, Lord, smothering in the ashes. Oh, God, give us today the grace, the mercy, the strength it takes to clean out the dust from the altar of our own hearts so that we can remember How brightly the fire must burn. How good life is, Lord, when you breathe goodness into it when we walk with you. Lord, some of us have forgotten what a blessing a new day is. Some of us forgotten, Lord, what you called us to do. And that this life that you've given us is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. Forgive us, Lord God for taking all of the best gifts in life and letting them sit beneath the ass. Help us today, Lord, to clean the house, to clean the altar, to sweep clean the altar of our hearts and start this new day recognizing that of all people, we are graced and blessed simply to be alive. Now, Lord, let us live for you pray these things in the name of Jesus who gives us this access to your altar, your throne.